Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Never Ever Give Up Hope is a show about people who have done just that. No matter what the circumstances, no matter what happened, even if there was only a thread of hope to hold on to, they never gave up. Most of my guests have had incredible circumstances that they have survived. And as a result, what I have found with virtually every single guest is a common thread of them wanting to help others who have been in those kind of situations, even something similar or something very diverse. But the situation being hopelessness and not knowing where to turn. And so if you know somebody or if you yourself have been in that situation, you totally can relate and understand. And that's why the messages that my guests have are so relatable because when we go through these kind of things and listen to a story, listen to a challenge, listen to someone who has overcome these things, it is exciting, it is motivating, and it is certainly a help. So I thank each of my guests for sharing their stories. They are so, as I mentioned, so very diverse and yet very much alike. They also will share an encouragement these are things that we can not only take away from the show for ourselves but also for others and so I thank them and our listeners my goodness if we didn't have listeners we wouldn't have a show our show never ever give up hope is now heard in over 140 countries and that just shows me every single day that there are people all over this planet who are hurting and who need to hear stories of hope and I promise you today we will not disappoint today we are doing a little, something a little bit different I have two guests who are coming from a very different place in their lives and yet their story was united in a unique way Kathy Gogan and Matt Reifenberg. Now Kathy is an award-winning playwright and she has many honors under her belt and Matt has a remarkable story and the two of them met which they're going to share that today with us and they turned Matt's story into a play with a message. Unstoppable by design. I'm sure that they will explain that title as well, but it certainly is something that intrigues us when we read that. Unstoppable by design. 
Now when I ask people to tell me their low point in their lives, I always find it intriguing to discover what they perceive were those low points. Because it is from that place that we gain strength, new insight, and a desire to help others move forward. That is a common denominator of people who have been through hell and back is they want to help others. When I asked Matt that, this is what he said. I have been homeless, friendless, hungry, married to someone addicted to drugs, a father with no clue how to take care of my son, I had a brain tumor, I was scared of what could happen, I was unemployed, poor, and without direction. Now any of these could be a low point and many of those happened to Matt at the same time and there were times that he certainly felt hopeless. I also want to mention and we're going to talk about this uh, at some point in the show is that Matt is currently working on a project to destroy chemical weapons that the, that the United States currently holds. I know that's going to get your attention in that this is something that we're all concerned about. And so first of all, we're going to talk to Matt about his story and then we'll take it from there. So hi, Matt, and hi, Kat. Hi. Hello. How are you? We're good. Lee, let's start with you, Matt. Your life changed at a point where you were recovering from a brain tumor. But before that, can you share your feelings, your fears when you were diagnosed? Diagnosed in 2008, uh, actually 2007, late 2007. Uh, the same week I found out about the brain tumor, I was laid off from the job that I was working. Oh, wow. And uh, so that was kind of a bad week. No kidding. Uh, <laughs> I had my son, uh, my wife, my wife's daughter, uh, and her mother living with us. And um, I needed to find a way to get through all this. And, uh, you know, at first it was scary because I didn't, I didn't know what the problem was at first. Uh, it, took, it took a little bit to, um, for them to tell me what was going on. Essentially, the tumor had been there since birth, and, oh my I, word. and I didn't know it. Uh, it was a benign tumor, uh, thankfully, I guess, <laughs> and it just needed to come out. So uh, it had done some, it, it had done some damage. Mm -hmm. um, I had uh, lost hearing in my left ear because the tumor had eroded the bones. Um, I had facial droop on one side because it severed the facial nerve and those were misdiagnosed years before as different things that turned out not to be true. I was nervous about what could happen. Um, a lot of things go through your mind, uh, but once I found out it was benign, um, I felt like I could get through it. Right. It wasn't, wasn't going to be a big issue. and. They did the surgery the following year on St. Patrick's Day, which was also my mother's birthday. Hmm. And uh, the doctor was 
also Irish, so I felt I had pretty good chances. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was um, 11 and a half hours of surgery, and uh, I went in the hospital on Monday and came out on Thursday. Wow. So I was determined to get out, and uh, they told me, you know, there's as long as you're doing okay, you can go. So Now, you mentioned that it was the same week that you were fired from your job. So there had to be a real fear, I would assume, of what am I going to do? Here I have to go have surgery. I've got to, you know, do this. And yet, what am I going to do after? So tell us a little bit about how you how you figured all that out. Well, my, my immediate issue was, you know, finding out what the problem was and how they were going to uh, take care of it. And um, then the other issue was, how am I going to pay for it once that happens? So uh, the guy that I worked for is a friend of mine. His name is Rick. And uh, he agreed to continue my health insurance for a few months until I was able to have the surgery. So that helped out quite a bit. Uh, he also kept me on the payroll for probably a month, which also helped um, get through the holidays and things. I didn't really think about what I was going to do until I was in recovery. Um, that's when I decided that I was I wanted to start getting an engineering degree, which I started but never finished, and uh, take a few classes to make myself more employable so um but all that came after the surgery so it was a it was a scary time you know absolutely didn't didn't really know how i was gonna take care of things and uh my wife diane she was great she she said whatever we have to do we'll do and you know we'll get through it so so now there must have been a point here considering that you've had you had quite a dramatic life as i mentioned some of the things that you had gone through prior to this was there a point where you said enough already like was this a place where maybe you had to look inward and say something needs to change here like what what transpired here to to help you look at life from a different perspective was it just the brain tumor and saying no you know I want to move forward and not allow this to control my life or tell us a little bit about what transpired there so the uh, finding out about the tumor and losing my job in the same week um, that made me realize that that was something that I didn't want to go go through ever again so I think that had a lot to do with turning turning things around um uh, start living the life that you want rather than the life that you have. And what and was your inspiration? I think it was just a overall sense of you know uh, that I was I real I think that having the tumor made me realize that I am going to die someday and uh, I think in the time that I had left or have left <laughs> I wanted to make life better for myself and my family and uh, that was the motivation and at this point do you feel that you have accomplished that every project I work on and things like that are uh, 
geared like the first thing I think of when I think of what the what the project is is how it's going to help people good okay I worked before this project I worked on a uh, another one in Washington DC supporting a project in Tennessee that has to do with um, modernizing the US nuclear capability and uh, so there was a lot of design for the project in Tennessee that uh, went on and I was part of that and now I'm in Kentucky doing the chemical weapons thing and is there a lot of pressure involved around that um, there's a lot of pressure to get it done yes uh, time wise is it a time factor yeah they've uh, they've committed to destroying all the weapons by 2023 and uh, you know design is we're getting ready to go into operations and once that starts there'll be you know that's when the actual destruction of weapons starts and uh, that'll be a four-year project I guess so wow it's hard to believe that there's that much involved that it would take that long but we don't understand uh, the impact I guess like like you would obviously there's uh, the project started I think I want to say about 10 years ago they started design design and engineering and uh, so now we're the plant has been built and we're doing a lot of testing and uh, you know validation of processes and things like that so we can begin operations now this may be a strange question but as I'm listening to you share a bit of your story all the the lows that you went through and then hear what you're doing now which is so significant on a basically a global scale does that help you like make you feel I don't want to use the word important but like strategic like you have a real uh, part in our future do you dwell on that at all? Is that part, or are you just doing a job and that's about as far as it goes? Like, what is, what are you thinking? I do things that interest me, and, um, you know, if they have some global implications, that's great. I mean, I'd like to help as many people as I can because I feel like you're, you know, when you're gone, you're remembered for, you know, the lives you've touched right. rather than, rather than, what you have or you know things like that so um, I, you know I was involved in biotech for 12 years uh, did a lot of I designed a lot of drug manufacturing processes and uh, did the nuclear thing um, so you know uh, I was at Cornell for five years designing particle accelerators we're involved in a lot of different research for many different industries and uh, I think that all those things have had global reach uh, but to me they were just interesting projects to do I mean <laughs> how many how many you know how often do you get to design a particle accelerator <laughs> <laughs> I never have <laughs> 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 so that was a okay. that was a pretty cool opportunity. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> now, Kat, I want you to step in here. You're a great part of what we're going to be discussing 
regarding the play. So my question to you, Kat, is this. What made Matt's story different than other stories you had heard in the past, and why did you want to share his story with the world, let alone write a play about it? What was different about it? I think timing probably had some to do with it, um, because generally when I was writing plays, um, they, they were fiction, so like the yeah. ideas were already in my mind, and you know, so I didn't really pay attention that much to like individual stories as far as looking for something to write. But um, my father had passed away really uh, unexpectedly and a very terrible death and very unexpected. So that has left me not writing or really being able to, to connect anymore with that part of me for a little over a year. So uh, I was reading on Quora and pretty much just scrolling through like I had done just existing really. Um, and I came across like a post that a young person or someone, I think they were in their 20s, so I, I guess age is relative, but to me that seems young. And um, he was saying that he thought his life was over and, you know, there had been a breakup and he wasn't as far along in career and different things as his friends. So, you know, I mean, they could seem like trivial things in a way, especially, you know, from the perspective of where I was at that time. Um, but uh, Matt had uh, commented and told some of his story and, you know, how that he was doing well now. And so he, he was trying to be encouraging and reach out to the stranger. So, of course, that compassion, that spoke to me. But um, being a former high school teacher, uh, the one thing probably that caught my attention was the fact that he mentioned he had dropped out of high school and then he had gotten a job at Cornell University. So in my experience, my students that had dropped out of high school had not achieved um, success in general and certainly not the level of success that he was talking about. So that intrigued me and I thought, well, you know, maybe this could be a story because I have an interest in, you know, why students drop out and what could be done to make them successful uh, if they do choose that. And so I think initially that's what caught my attention about his story. So I think it was timing uh, that made me actually have time to pay attention. And just the, the dark point I was at that someone actually was reaching out to another human that, um, you know, both of those things just spoke to me. So I, I really appreciate you saying that because that's what I want people to take away when they hear other people's stories. You know, it do doesn't mean that their story is like your story, but this person survived what could possibly be labeled, you know, insurmountable. And that intrigues and encourages you as a listener, no matter where you're at, right? Sure. Felt, um, you know, I mean, he he was a stranger, of course. I thought that um, he was in New York. I thought he was still working at Cornell. And 
So, because this post was uh, not a, a current post, it was a, a few years old. So, I didn't know if he, you know, was still on Quora or if he would respond. But there was just something about that that made me just want to reach out to him. And um, so I did. And, you know, I said I write plays and your story, you know, is very interesting to me for these reasons. And I'd really like to learn more about you and write a play about your life. And so, you know, I, I can only imagine, like, maybe what he might have thought receiving, like, a message <laughs> like that. But, um, you know, that's pretty much the beginning. And uh, from there, it really uh, was so much more than I ever imagined. Just from, it was much more than drop out of high school, get a job at Cornell, you know, I didn't know all the the things in between that I would find out about him later. So what is the message that you really want to get across with the play itself? You know, it has to be that you don't give up, but you have a choice. Um, you can give up. That's the easier way sometimes, oftentimes. But you also can keep fighting and you may not get to the level that you dream of, but you're certainly going to get to a higher level than if you just accept where you are and stay stuck there. So I'm constantly reminding myself of that message. And so I think the play, in the same way that it motivates me, I think it will motivate others and being stuck being stuck really is like your life being over and no one wants that but they don't necessarily want to do the suffering and the work that it's going to take to get unstuck because most of the time you don't get stuck just overnight it's a process and you you become comfortable with that and whether it be a relationship or it, uh, an illness or, or whatever, you you need plans to, to get unstuck and to stick with those, even though you realize that it's not going to be easy. It's much easier to stay stuck. But then you're wasting your life. And so is it better to suffer for a little while and then have a life that you actually can feel like you're living or to stay comfortable and miserable and you know your life basically mean nothing except that you exist each day and that's what I felt like I was doing after my father's death just um, taking up space basically so your message is far-reaching and that that is your whole point right um, yeah I mean that that is the point and from the people, we've had one reading of the play, and several people have read it just to give feedback early on, and they all seem to take away a very positive message from it. So I really do think that uh, the play will be successful in delivering that message. And what's your goal now? What's the next step? Well, we actually have the first school that's going to perform this. Uh, on May the 10th, and they're called Lynn Camp High School. 
they have um, combined cast of students and teachers from their school that are going to perform this play. That's extremely uh, encouraging to me to see, you know, especially like if you look at the dropout. Um, one of the questions I asked Matt in the interview was, you know, did anyone at the school try to keep you, you know, in school? Did anybody, did you not think anybody cared? You know, he really seemed to indicate the way he felt was that no one really did care if he dropped out. And so I think for schools to be able to have students and teachers working together in this artistic process, um, that's a great way to let students know you care. And I really think this combined cast is so exciting. And, and we met with that, with the cast um, once already. And they shared, you know, in our first meeting, they shared like a lot of stories of how the play impacts them even at the age they are right now. So um, that's pretty incredible to me. And, and I just think it's the beginning of what will be uh, for this play. I'm very excited about it. My first published play, may I have your attention please, that did win the, the Critics' Choice Award. Uh, that is about teenage suicide. So in the premiere of Unstoppable by Design, there will be, may I have your attention please, will be performed in that same evening. My writing always addresses issues, I mean, or, or things that I think are important. I want my plays to to bring about change. That's very important to me as Matt, you know, talks about in his work what's important. In my writing, that's what's important to me. So I don't know that Unstoppable necessarily will address um, suicide but certainly it could lead to a dialogue and that's what I think that's what we encourage uh, with a play is having these dialogues and if it is suicide um, or depression or whatever um, you know that's that's a form of being stuck that's something that you you people struggle with of course and so I think the play also I mean how could Matt go through all those things and not feel depression or not feel anxiety. And so I think that it could come out. What does the title mean? So there was an article written about me while I was at Cornell. Uh, it was called The Unstoppable Designer. And uh, Kat and I were kicking around ideas for the play and coming up with all these crazy things. <laughs> and uh, so I came up, up with Unstoppable by Design. And that's, that's where it came from. The uh, magazine had done the article because I quit school and uh, gotten a job at Cornell. They hired me over 50 other people and um, I didn't know anything about particle physics. I didn't have an engineering degree or never went to school for anything and uh, they hired me to do that job. So they, they felt I was unstoppable because of all the things that I had gone through. That's where that came from. I kind of had that feeling when I when I read the title and that's what you, the message you want to get across anyway so that that's the feeling you know that's the, when you're looking at the title and I'm yes we are unstoppable and I like that I go ahead I would like to say that some of the feedback that we got on the play was that it kind of glorified well not glorified but uh, it kind of like said 
you know, dropping out of school is okay and you can still be successful and, you know, so it's no big deal. But I, it's a cautionary tale. I mean, there's a lot of things that I went through that could have been, you know, could have been so much easier and uh, mm. I could have done differently had I stayed in school. Um, I, I don't want anyone to think that, you know, that I'm condoning you know, dropping out or whatever, because that's not the case. Um, I was very lucky in a lot of ways. I was very determined after a time. Uh, I I had drifted through life up until the brain tumor and just kind of, you know, going whichever way the wind blew. And uh, so it took a big thing to sort of kick me in the right direction. I went through a lot of things needlessly because I made the decision to, to drop out and a lot of decisions were made based on the fact that I didn't have an education. So um. That's true with so many people and too bad we weren't born with more wisdom. That it's something oh. <laughs> that we have to learn. <laughs> yeah. But you know, to, I mean, to be conscious of the people that already have made that decision to drop out certainly the play will speak to them as well and so I, I don't I mean I'm a former high school teacher so of course I support education but people I mean you have to realistically look at the fact that some people will drop out of high school for whatever reason they will do it and so even though the play is not encouraging that I think it also those people need hope as well um, when you've made that decision and the people out there listening now that have made it, I think the title, Unstoppable, but the the second part, by design, of course, because he's a designer, right? Um, you know, that's kind of a play on words, but I think it also speaks to the fact that if you want to be unstoppable, then by design, you know, a sort of by plan, you have to execute, you have to plan. So I think the title is very significant, um, and people sometimes just look at unstoppable, but they don't look at that, you know, by design means you're going to have to work at it. Yeah. You're going to have to do the work. Yeah, it's like uh, I heard somebody had said, uh, everybody wants to be a lion until it's time to hunt, which means, you know, you want everybody wants to be successful but they don't want to do the work that it takes right. to get there and uh, you know I think that's you know I, I've i done the work and, and continue to do, to do the work to get to where I want to be still moving forward and uh, coming up with things to do and um, what do you see the future holds regarding this play and possibly something else each of you can answer that so we've been told, well, we, you know, people have said that uh, possibly a book might be in the works. Um, I can see that, yes. Uh, you know, maybe like a screenplay, I don't know, um, a sequel. <laughs> sure. I mean, um, this is a one-act play, and there's so many stories that I found out about his life that... I couldn't include just simply because it is a one-act play. Okay. 
but um, you know, th there's many fascinating things about Matt, and oh, <laughs> it's true. I mean, um, you know, six months ago we were strangers, and now I, I feel like if there is an unstoppable person that I've ever met, um, then it is Matt, and. I, I don't say that lightly. I really have been quite touched by his determination and, and just the, the vision that he has for, for moving forward always, even when it looks like, you know, I mean, the brain tumor surgery would have been I don't know what how I could have gotten through such and certainly not with a sense of humor and the positive outlook that he seemed to have throughout the ordeal um, is so he he's very motivating to people well he has definitely affected you and you know as if you can touch one person and change their lives and look at that as a great accomplishment you have accomplished a lot and that's what you have already done. So what you want to do is you want to affect more than one. And that's where you're headed. And I think that's exciting because when you touch somebody and that person touches somebody and that life changes and then you touch somebody else. I mean, by sharing our stories, they touch people. And that's what makes brings change. And I can hear it in your voice, your passion cat is you know to touch others with someone else's story because he touched you it's absolutely beautiful it's the circle of life you know and it is reciprocal and I so appreciate you just saying that now because affecting one person and allowing that to mushroom and grow into something greater is absolutely beautiful and the epitome of hopefully human nature correct I think so uh, we can only hope so yes. and I think plays are a great way to do that because they really the stage is a great place to start dialogues that can affect change and everyone that sees the play and they have a discussion about the play you know that that passes the story along and um, I know with me, I have your attention, please. It's been published for 15 years now, I think. And it's like, it has more performances this year than it did, you know. I mean, it just continues to grow because every wow. time someone sees it, you know, then another group wants to perform it because they're touched by it. And so I really have the same kind of vision for yeah. Unstoppable that, um, you know, I mean, even by its title, it should be a play that continues. Yes. So, um, you know, I, I just feel that it will. I, I feel so many things fell together. Um, and not everybody believes in, you know, things are destined to be a certain way or whatever. I just, um, you know, I, I do subscribe to that belief. And I think I was meant to read Encora that night. I think I was meant to meet Matt and tell the story because um, prior to that, I don't think that, and, and still sometimes I think he has a hard time with seeing why people are so 
uh, inspired because to him he will just say it was just my life right, right. Um, so I, I think that I was needed to um, showcase that story because I don't think he ever would have done that himself and um, you know in some ways I think meeting him saved my life you know not in a suicidal way but in a way of bringing back to life and giving me a purpose of writing this play and and all the things that have come with it um and so i I just feel like it was destined to be and um when things are destined to be and you continue to work towards whatever is you know in that plan and I, I think that um, there's much more to come, and I, I believe that. That was an awesome conclusion. Uh, I really appreciate how you gave us that synopsis of not only the, the story, but how it affected you. What about you, Matt? How, what would you like to say in conclusion? Uh, it's been interesting, the whole process uh, of you know going through the interview with Kat and, you know, I helped her on some of the rewrite stuff. Uh, she had sent me a version and had me doing things in the play that I wouldn't normally do. Like <laughs> she had me crying at one point, and uh, I was like, "No, it we're was beautiful. That out. <laughs> it would have been beautiful." <laughs> so uh, we, you know, we worked together to uh, kind of make the play more believable to me. That's been interesting, and the feedback that we get from people is interesting as well. I don't know what will happen in the future. I mean, I'm hopeful that the play will do well, and uh, a lot of people will be able to see it and get the message, and, uh, you know, good things will come from that. Doing what I'm doing and, uh, you know, whatever happens next is what happens next. Well, look how this came about. You know, you're not yeah. putting yourself in a box. You're, uh, and that's the exciting part about life, is when opportunities arise and you take them and you run with them. Who knows what, what is going to happen next? And so I appreciate that. So I thank you both of you, for sharing this today, from two different perspectives of one how it affected you and you ran with it to tell the story and the other one living the story and how it has changed you and you have been great i appreciate the two of you coming on board today thank you so much thank you for having us yeah thank you very much i really appreciate it and we will be talking to you again goodbye for now okay bye carol bye-bye Thank you for listening to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.